Now, I don't know about anybody else here at Cross Point Fellowship, but I will tell you that I am a huge, and I do mean huge, baseball fan, uh, specifically of the St. Louis Cardinals and all of their affiliates. Now, I have been, I would say, as a fan, pretty blessed in life. In my lifetime, the Cardinals have won two World Series. I'm hoping for a couple more before I die, whenever that may be. Um, and I have had the, I would say, pleasure of watching what I would consider two all-time greats play. One in Yadier Molina from the catcher position, and two with Albert Pujols, uh, even though he broke my heart and decided to go somewhere else uh, for the end of his career. Uh, I, I, I got the opportunity to watch him play at times almost on a daily basis, 162 games in a season. My wife will tell you there's a baseball game on all the time. She loves it. She loves it. Well, Dave, I was born in 1990, so I'm going to go ahead and say no. But uh, I realize that Lou Brock is a great as well. I get, we can bring them all up. Listen, I realize, listen, everybody just listen. Okay, I understand that there's baseball greats from when you were born and lived and watched and grow. I'm talking about myself. Okay, so if you want to put Stan Musial in here, do it. That may be your guy. No, that was the guy from my grandfather. Uh, you, I, d listen, Cardinals have a lot of history. There's a lot of great players. I realize that you have two players that you could put in there. Okay, these are my two players, Dave, and that's Yadier Molina and Albert Pools. Now, one of the things I loved about watching them is they kind of had this really great connection on the baseball field. Albert playing first base and Yadier being the catcher, they had uh, this just almost telepathic ability, but it wasn't tele you know, telepathy. They just had such a strong relationship and they were such good friends on and off the field that when they were on the field, they kind of knew what each other was thinking. And so they mastered this move called the back pick. And it's basically Yachty would catch it, he'd drop down to a knee, whiz it over to first, and they'd pick somebody off going back to the base after they took their lead. And it happened like all, all the time. When they were together, it almost felt like you could see that happen on a weekly basis. And it's really amazing. There's not really been anybody around the league that's been quite that good at it. Uh, there is one catcher for the Cubs who we won't speak his name because it's the Cubs who's pretty good himself. But they were amazing. They were amazing. And it's because of that strong relationship that they had built with one another that they could be on the same wavelength and that they could almost think the same thoughts. And they talked about that in interviews, how they were such great friends that it just seemed like they knew what each other was going to do. Maybe it was just a subtle look or they could just read the play at the same time together, but Albert just always knew when the ball was coming down. And so he'd get in position and pick him off and everybody celebrates and it's a cool thing. Now, as Christians, how does this relate to baseball, you're thinking? I'll tell you. As Christians, we have an opportunity to build such a strong relationship with God that we get on the same wavelength, that we get in the same train of thought, that our thoughts and God's thoughts are one and the same a lot in life. And so today we talk about that. Week one of this series, if you build it, we talked about following the will of God, despite all that may happen, saying no to self and doing what God wanted from you. Well, today is different. Today is talking about transforming from where we start to where we end to get to the place where our thought process and the way that we track is in line with God's will for our life. Now, there's a very interesting verse, and it's a verse that I love very much. Now, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here's the thing. Christ's power should give us peace of mind. Christ's power should give us peace of mind. Now, the reason I say that Philippians 4.13 is an interesting verse is because one could argue that it's the most overquoted and misused verse 
throughout Scripture, right? People like to throw it out there all the time. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, so I'm going to go run this marathon. Or Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, so I'm going to go throw this touchdown pass. And a lot of times it talks about, and the way people view it is, I can do all things through Christ, so I'm going to overcome any obstacle put in, in my way. But Paul, I would argue, is not using it in that manner. He's not saying, because I have Christ, I can do everything. Paul's saying, because I have Christ, I can be okay with any circumstance that I find myself in. Because I have this relationship with Christ, I can find peace regardless of where I'm at in life, whether it be stuck in prison or being persecuted by others for my beliefs or facing whatever other hardship that maybe you yourself could implant into this situation. Paul is saying because of who God is, God will give me the peace of mind to be okay with my circumstance. When you understand the difference in the view of that verse, it completely changes the meaning. It completely changes the meaning for us. See, Christ's character, who Christ is to you in life, the relationship that you have with him should quell any insecurity that you deal with on a daily basis in the daily struggles that you may have. Christ's character should comfort our insecurities. See, confidence in Christ should make it easier to align with his will and his thought process. Remember, I made the quote that I never, ever worry about doing the wrong thing when I'm following the right person. I never, ever worry about doing the wrong thing when I'm following the right person. And in Christ, we have the right person. In Christ, we have the right person. And so there's such freedom to be grasped here. And it's something that we should really strive to hold on to. There's a peace of mind here that should take us to a place that says, regardless of what comes my way, I'm going to be okay. And if we can get to that point, it becomes a lot easier to align our thinking with the way that God thinks about how life should go. Perfect example perfect example for me at least, I should say, is um, when I first got called to be a pastor, this isn't a huge secret, I did not want to do it. Didn't want to do it. I'll tell you why. One, my grandpa was a pastor for 70 years. Is that, I mean, long time, long time. And being part of a pastor's family, Laura, you'll know this, uh, others, you'll know this, you kind of see the good, which is great, but you also see a lot of the bad. And you can see just the crazy what I viewed at sometimes is the judgment of every single decision right down to what a person wore to something that they said that wasn't said in a way that was meant to be derogatory but was taken that way and then it became this huge blow. It's just a stressful life to live. It's just hard. And as a pastor, I struggle with always feeling like I have to be perfect, right? I don't want to step one toe out of line uh, because I, I don't want people to see me and then call me a hypocrite or see me and say, well, there's no real worth in what he's doing with his life or in his belief system. And I just feel this constant stress to not make a mistake. In a way, I think that's good because I think it shows that, yeah, maybe I understand the gravity of the position that I hold. But in another way, it can be completely petrifying and terrifying and just a real stressful way to live life. And then there's a million different stresses that your family undergoes all wrapped into that of them feeling like maybe they have to be perfect and always doing the right thing. And it's just not easy. So if you know a pastor and a family that is a family of a pastor, 
pray for them. Okay, but I just didn't want to do it. I just, I just didn't want to do it. But slowly over time, as God has helped me transform my being, the way that I think, the way that I act, I've gotten to a place where not only am I now okay with being a pastor, not only am I in the place where I'll deny myself and do the will of God, but this is actually what I want to do. This is actually where I want to be. And I'm not just, okay, I'll be a pastor because God called me to be a pastor, but I'm going to be a pastor because, yes, God called me. That's of ultimate importance. But this is my will. This is my desire for my life. And I'm excited about it. And I enjoy doing it, and it makes me happy. What if we could all get to a place where we said, hey, whatever takes place in life, no matter what it is, no matter if we feel like we don't see an answer, don't see a solution, what if we could say, no matter what happens, I'm okay with it. No matter what happens, I'm okay with it. I'm going to tell you a quick story, another story. I'm sorry for all the stories. Stories are good sometimes. In 1873, long time ago, there was a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. And he was at the height of his success. His wife, his four daughters, and his son, they lived in Chicago. He was a very, very uh, good business person. He was thriving. All that changed pretty quickly. It started with his son getting sick and his son passing away. And then really quickly after that, the Great Chicago Fire happened. It tells you how long ago this was. The Great Chicago Fire happened, and it took away almost all of his real estate holdings. What had made him the successful businessman was pretty much all burned to the ground at this time. So his family was facing a ton of stress, and he decided, hey, I just got to get us out of here. We're going to go on a vacation. We're going to take a break. And so he had some business that he had to attend to in Chicago, but he wanted to go ahead and send his family off to relax, and he decided, hey, we're going to take a trip to Europe. So he sends them by boat to Europe. And while he's finishing up business in Chicago, and he gets a telegram. And his wife tells him, I was saved alone. There was a shipwreck. He lost all four of his daughters. He loses his son. He loses his businesses. He loses his daughters. And he's thinking, I've got to get to my wife as quickly as 1873 will allow me. And so he gets on a boat and crosses the same ocean that just took the life of his daughters to be by his wife's side as quickly as possible. In the midst of all this, he wrote some words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all get to a place that literally whatever happened to us, we could have peace in knowing that we are called God's children. That we could say, regardless of what's happening to me right now, it's well with my soul. We need to lean on God's power to find the peace of mind and the freedom that is there for us to fall in line with whatever his will may be for our lives, even if we don't like it. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, transformation, not optional. Transformation isn't optional. 1 John 2.6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must live like Jesus did. See, eventually we all have to get to the place where we stop denying ourselves and change the way we're living life. We have to stop denying ourselves, change the way that we're living life. We must live the way that Jesus lived. We must think the way that Jesus thought. We all have to get there. It's not optional. 
as Christians, it's what we are called to do, to become like Christ. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we believe in who Christ is. And we repent of the wrong that we have done, the sin in our life. And we confess that he is Lord, but that is step one of our process. That's step one of entering relationship with Jesus. That's just the beginning. We've talked about this on multiple occasions, but our process has to be ongoing. We have to continue to run our race. From there, we start to do the will of God in spite of what our natural instincts say we should be doing. But as the process continues to move and as we continue to uh, move forward and, and, and go down that right path, we have to transform to the place where our desires become the same as God's. Back to the story of me not wanting to preach, but now kind of accepting that that's God's will for my life and being okay with it, not just being okay with it, but desiring it. Only then do we change from being a part of the kingdom to being people who build the kingdom up. Who build the kingdom up. I've said this to you before, but as Crosspoint Fellowship, I don't want to just be a church. Okay, I don't want to just be a church. I love gathering with everyone that's here. I consider it an honor to be your pastor. But I'm not okay with the status quo because God has called us to something greater. He's called us to be kingdom builders. And so it's extremely important to me that here at this church, we see growth. And I'm not just talking about in number. I do think that it's important for us to grow in number. I think that's what we're called to do. But I think how we grow in number is ultimately of importance. First of all, we need to see growth in our lives as individuals. We need to be becoming more like Christ every single day. Every single day. It needs to happen. It just does. It needs to happen. But as we seek to build the kingdom, we need to go out into our community and find those who don't know Jesus and bring them into a relationship with Jesus. We need to spread the gospel. We need to open up doors. We need to let people know that there is a different way of living and that God wants them to be in a relationship with him. People need to know how God views them. People need to know how important they are. And they only do that through us. But honestly, as a church, we'll never get to the place where we are building the kingdom if we're still fighting what it is that God desires from us all the time. We have to get to a place where our thoughts are God's thoughts. Or I should say where God's thoughts are our thoughts. Where his will and his way becomes what we desire and how we live our life. How do we do that? How do we go through this transformation? How do we make that happen? The Bible has an answer. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 11. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Anybody else a little convicted right now? I'll raise my hand. I'm not asking you to, but I'll raise my hand. I am. I am. I am because there are days when I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off and the first thought I have in my head, you've heard me say this, is pit maneuver. Watch cops enough as a kid, I know exactly how to do it. Right? There are still days where anger wells within me and has a grasp of my thought process and the way I behave and maybe the way I treat others and the way I talk to people. There are things of the old life that I still need to shed off. And if we're all being honest, that we all have something. We all have something that we need to let go of that ties us to this earth, that ties us to our old selves and is preventing our new selves from really blossoming and really coming to be what it is that we are. I know for a fact that I have areas that need to be improved. I don't want to slander anybody, but I have a feeling that you all probably have an area that you could improve as well. What's important is that as Christians, we are constantly striving to do that. And how do we do it? We change what we're bringing into our lives and what we're putting in our mind. I am a firm believer. This is my philosophy. I'm sure someone else has said it and probably more eloquently than I ever could. But I'm a firm believer that whatever we put into ourselves and we bring into our lives eventually comes out. Whatever you're filling your brain with on a daily basis eventually is going to impact the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you behave. It's just human nature. There was a time in my life, and this isn't exactly connected, but I'll explain. There was a time in my life where I was going to be an engineer. My desire, not God's. I wanted to be an engineer because I wanted that money. True story. I'd been through Calc 3 and had done really well and was great at math. And I have to tell you, if you put a calculus book in front of me right now, I wouldn't know a single thing. Because that took up so much brain space for me that for a while, that's pretty much all that I had in there. I'll be honest. It was numbers and calculations and formulas and how things work and how to find derivatives and sine, cosine, tangent and all these different things that I don't even know what they mean anymore. See, and then God called me to a new way, a better way, a way that he had designed specifically for me and I had to learn about the Bible. <laughs> and I had to learn about how to dissect scripture and I was required to learn about Greek and Hebrew and that definitely took the place of calculus. And so it was less numbers and calculations and more, this is how you study the word, this is how you break down the word, this is what this means and this tense means and that means and all these different things. 
because what I was studying at the time, what I was bringing into my life, what I was focusing on, what I gave my attention is what starts to come out of me and in my thought process. If you want to be more godly and have the same mind as Christ, you need to think about godly things. You need to behave in godly ways. You need to do godly things. You have to build habits that are cemented in Christ. How do we know what these things are? How do we learn about who Jesus was? Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. It's why we have them. It's why it's so important to be in them daily. Okay, I'm not asking you to get in your Bible, read an entire book, transcribe it to Hebrew or Greek or whatever other language that they may have been written in at some point in history. But I'm asking you to prayerfully consider the Word of God on a daily basis. Maybe it's one scripture. Maybe it's one chapter. Maybe it is a book. But daily, we have to be connecting ourselves to God and filling ourselves with God if we want God to be what is coming out of us. Jerrica did this challenge, I want to say beginning of the school year last year, where uh, she stopped listening to all other radio stations except for 88.3 The Wind. Okay, which is a Christian-based radio station here in town. And they have other ones. And listen, I want to be very clear. Am I telling you that you can't be a good Christian or you can't be a Christian if you listen to a different radio station, you listen to country music? No, I can sing at least part of every Garth Brooks song pretty much ever written. Okay? <laughs> so I'm not saying that you can't have other interests in life and that everything has to be God, 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 God. But I'm also saying that's not a bad way to live life. And I am saying that we need to fill ourselves with more God on a daily basis. And when there's things that we can let go of and we don't have to hold on to that are keeping us tied in to our earthly selves, we need to let those things go. And that's as hard for me, I guarantee, as it is for any of you. But it doesn't mean that we don't have to do it. It doesn't mean that it's not the right choice. If we want to be more godly, if we want to align our thoughts and our will with God, then we need to spend more time with God. That's my only challenge. That's what I'm saying. So look for ways that you can do that. Look for things that you can let go of and understand that transformation is not optional. It's our end goal. It's what we're striving towards. What is it that you need to do to become more like God? Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you've loved us enough to send your son, not just to die on a cross for us, God, but to show us how to live and to show us the way that we are supposed to treat others and behave with others and walk on a daily basis. Thank you for your word, your scriptures, which reveal yourself to us, which teach us about what it is that we need to be thinking about. Thank you for loving us and being forgiving of us when we don't quite measure up to where it is that we're supposed to be. Thank you for convicting us when there's areas that we need to improve. Help us to be people who start to align ourselves, not just with the thought that we will deny ourselves and do the will of God, but that we will start to transform to where your will is what we want. 
I thank you for the opportunity to be in your service. I thank you for a church who is loving and willing to serve. But Lord, help us to always be better. Help us to always get better. Help us to be just like you. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.